I'm not pulling out of my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another Drive to Work Coronavirus Edition. So I've been doing this fun thing where I've been inviting uh, designers, new and old, to come talk about sets we worked on together. So today I have Tom Lapilli. Hey, Tom. Hello. And we're going to talk about Dark Ascension. Um, that's uh, Tom that I, I, I led the design. Tom led the development. Um, but, but before we jump into that, before we get there's a story. Your name comes up. There's one story where your name comes up more than any of stories that I tell. Yeah. Which is the creation of the double face cards as in, in Innistrad. So I, I would love to tell your side of the story. What what yeah. is your version of well, how that came to be? So I know a lot of people hate these things. I think they are there there's a lot of things in magic where I think they are basically inevitable. No matter how much you do or don't like them, they must happen. Um I think Mark, you've described magic as a shark, it must keep moving or it will die. And uh all card games eventually will have double face cards if they live long enough. Is my strong opinion. Okay, but, but how? Uh, what is you, what is your version of the story of how they came to be in the set? Yeah, so um, well, they, they came about in Duel Masters because the Japanese marketing team was like, "Hey, a thing we could do that would make us look neat is double faced cards." So Charlie Catino, figure out what that means and then make them. So it was like very commercially minded decision there and I, I had like been involved in making some of those so then we get to Innistrad and we're in the design room and you keep talking about transformation and I'm just like well I've like I've worked on things that transform do, do, do you want to try this and uh, I don't remember exactly what the reaction was from like the entire room but I know you were just kind of like hmm and uh, there were definitely wheels spinning yeah and so it was important to me that where I want I wanted werewolves to shine because prior to Indestride there there have been like three werewolves like Magic had done zombies and, and vampires and spirits and stuff that had been done before but I felt like if we could put our mark on werewolves that would really give the set you know that'd make the set stand out um, and right you pitched you pitched double face cards as your answer for werewolves um, mm -hmm. and I was intrigued I mean I I'll, I'll be honest I was. I didn't know whether they work or not, but I was I was, in, I was like, okay, let's try it. it, it you know, um, yeah. And the way they originally worked is that you had a card in your deck that was a single sided card, and then you played that card, and it went and got you the double sided card. Um, but it turned out we couldn't do collation, so they could actually be together. I think they said they could do it like ninety percent of the time, and we're like, well, ninety percent wasn't good enough, so we had yeah. to figure out how to do them without without the the one sided card, and then we just said, okay, just Usually, or, or we made the checklist card, I think is how we did it. This was actually one thing that made me happy, was that in Duel Masters, they're like, you could play something, and it was it was more like um, like learn in some ways, because you had like basically lessons that were the double-faced cards. But we were like, no, we want you to put like this specific double-faced card in your deck. Yeah. We thought that was just way better. And it it turned out quite well. People people are I mean, I, I know there are people who don't like the double face cards, but they are crazy popular uh in our market research. So okay. So what happened was um you were not on Innistrad, right? Or did you work on the development for Innistrad? Uh, yeah, I was on I was on Innistrad development. Oh you were in the okay. So you were on the development team for Innistrad. Um yeah. and was this the first that you led the development for? Do you remember? I did Magic twenty twelve before that. Okay. But this was the second one. Okay, so first non core set that you had led. Okay, so what, what was that like? Uh, so, I mean, I, I led... The, I, I normally, by the way, do not lead second sets 
this is one of a, just a handful of second sets that I led. Um, yeah. The following year, we were going back to to Ravnica, and so I let Ken Nagel like lead the first. Normally, I did the fall sets, but I let Ken do it, and so let me do the small. I don't normally do second small sets. It's not something I've done much of. Um, yeah, I mean, working with you is incredible. Like the the creativity that you bring to the big sets, I felt like I was really glad I was able to tap into that working on my first one of these things. Um, I think my biggest lesson was like it was around pushing on the designer to like make sure that the thing they're giving me really is the best thing that they have. Um, and I think the, the origin of undying is like probably the best story of that for me, where it was like the, the point of dark ascension was like, things get worse. And when we were in divine, there wasn't really any new mechanic that like made creatures really scary. And I was like, hey, Mark, like, so this is supposed to be about, like, creatures getting more scary. Can you, like, make something that does that, maybe? And you were like, okay, I got to think about this. And then I think the rest of this is your story to tell. But Right, so l let me give a little more parameter of what you're saying. So what happened was you gave me really good advice. And this was the first time you and I had worked together. I mean, me handing off to you. Um yeah. I've been really focused because in the story, it's kind of like the human's last gasp, right? Like, like when we start the story, humans are not in a good place and monsters are everywhere. But like as the story progresses, part two of the story is, and it gets even worse. And it looks like the end of humanity, right? It, it's looking really bad. And I was really caught up in like the end of humanity. Um, and you just said, hey, the fun part of this is not humans dying. It's you get to be big monsters, big scary monsters. Uh oh. Could we please do something that lets you be a big scary monster? And I, I thought that was really, really—I uh, was very impressed. It was—it was, it was um, great advice from you. And so, the the thing I wanted to do is I said, okay, what what is the monster trope we could tap into, right? And the trope that I was really fascinated by was in a in a horror film, you kill the monster, or so you think, uh, and then the monster comes back. It's not dead. Like that—that that was a very. Um, like, the, the monster's bigger and badder and scarier, you know? And I said, okay, how can we tap into that? So the story is, um, I'm really having trouble figuring it out, and I'm talking to my wife, Laura, and I say to her, I know I want to do this trope, but I just don't know how to do it. And, and I go, the worst part is, we did it already. We, we made a, a mechanic called Persist. And so Laura goes, well, just use Persist. And I go, but I can't use Persist. It uses minus one, minus one counters, and this set doesn't have minus one, minus one counters. It has plus one, plus one counters. And then Laura's like, well, why can't you use plus one, plus one counters? And I'm like, ah, I can, I can. And I said, okay, we'll just make persist. I mean, it's better than persist because it comes back stronger. But thematically, in the monster set, that, that seemed cool. Um, and so I came with you and said, what do you think of persist with plus one, plus one counters? So what was your response? Uh, yeah, I was in. Um, I think the warning I had was that it was going to be more challenging to make the cards look naively appealing because so much more power is on it coming back. And like when Strangle Root Geist comes back as a three, two, like it doesn't say three, two on the card anywhere. So like you have to think really hard to see everything that's there, but like it certainly makes the feeling that you were talking about be what happens. So, um, I mean, there, there's some really weird card designs in there because of the development issues with it. Like there's some, undying stuff that like can't block or is like really hard to cast so, or um only has one toughness so that like 
it's not impossible to deal with in combat. But um, I think it worked. I mean, for a, for a set that size, there was enough design space to make those creatures that I think it was cool. Yeah, the, the, you bring up a good point, which is interesting to, to sort of talk about in, in that sometimes you have mechanics that play fine, but they have a what I call an image problem, right? That that when people look at them for the first time, they, they can't quite understand. Like, I mean, really good players might get it, but the average player can't look at it and see the power that sometimes why something is good, you have to play it before you really get it. And we can have some of that in sets because, I mean, it's fine to have some things that look weaker and, and actually are better when you play them, but we have to be careful. And it, it's definitely, especially from the, what, we, what we wanted was, here's an awesome monster mechanic. It definitely on the surface didn't seem like it, it, the cards didn't necessarily seem as scary as they really were. Yeah. They, when you play with them, that's cer- you certainly feel it when um, the four, one undying red vampire comes back as a five, two, that moment is like, Oh, hello. Um, I mean, it is funny, too, that you talk about mechanics with image problems, because, like, I think my single biggest regret on Dark Ascension is that I let Fateful Hour go through. Well, um, let's, let's talk about Fateful Hour. Um, th- this is my doing. I mean, you, you let it through, but I'm the one that made it. So, um, okay, so let, let's go back to Mana Burn for a second. Um, so when Magic premiered back in Alpha, Richard had created a mechanic called Mana Burn that was part of the game. And the idea was, if you had extra mana floating in your mana pool, at certain times when it got cleared, you'd lose life based on how much mana was sitting there. And the idea was, like, for stuff like Mana Flare, it is possible to get extra mana and not be able to spend it all. And there was a, there was flavor there, but it was a lot to learn, and it, like, never came up. And the story was, we had talked about getting rid of it in 6th edition, and for some reason I convinced Bill not to get rid of it. Um, but then many years later, I'm like, do we need this? Like, the Magic keeps adding stuff. Can we take things away just to keep Magic from getting overwhelming? And it was a, it was a rule that didn't seem like it mattered that much. Um, and so my team, I know in design, we said, okay, let's just play with no mana burn. And then 30 days later, we got together and said, okay, how was it like playing no mana burn? And it hadn't come up in any games we had played. And we're like, okay, maybe, maybe this doesn't need to be. So mana burn ended up going away. Um, but one of the things that happened when Mana Burn went away is I was very fascinated by, okay, well, what can you do now that Mana Burn's not there? Um, and this is, by the way, the danger of, like, I, I'm explaining how I got here, but it's the danger of being in, enamored by, like, untapped space. And I said, oh, well, why would mana, why would it matter? And I realized that life, it was hard to make life matter, life totals matter, when Mana Burn existed, because you could just Mana Burn yourself, so it wasn't really hard to get there. Um, but now that Mana Burn was away, I was interested in trying it. And so the premise was, well, how do you show that the humans are in trouble? Well, what if when things are at their worst, they get better? They, they're, they're, they, they double down when things are at their worst. That, that was the idea behind Fateful Hour. So the, the way it works, by the way, is it has an effect. And if you're at five or less life, it has a larger effect. You want to talk about mechanics with image problems? Like- yeah. <laughs> Be close to losing, and then maybe we'll give you something. Like, uh, uh, okay, go go ahead. So the, I, I made this mechanic. I it was flavorful. I agree with yeah, you. Go go ahead. So go ahead. You know, I didn't love it. It clearly was like okay in some sense. You could have done it without an ability word on a couple cards, and it would have been fine. Yeah, which I is what we should have done. By the way, it should have existed, but not as a keyword and less cards. I think. But yeah, and. I think that was the other lesson about me on like pushing on the designer. It's like, that's a spot where like, I think in hindsight, like this, 
Uh, Dark Ascension was the first place that we put sacrifice a human colon do something on yeah. like a lot of cards. <laughs> it's like, okay, we can show that it's bad for humans by like making you want to eat them. And that probably would have been fine. But I thought that like with someone as as powerful as Mark Rosewater as my lead designer, I only had so many political points to spend as like the baby lead developer or whatever. So um I think I spent my points on the most important thing, but maybe I should have gone further. I mean, the, the irony is, I want the best set. If, if it wasn't the best thing, I mean, like, I honest to God, if you'd killed it because it wasn't working, I would have said, okay, you know, I, I would have helped you find yeah. something else. So, sure. And I mean, who knows if it would have needed anything else, really? Like, I think we could have made the set with, like, maybe you put an ability word on sacrifice a human or something. I don't know. There's. Like the set had had plenty of fun things going on, I think, even without that. But I mean, yeah, my gut is we would have we usually had two new things at the time. We probably would have. I mean, even if it was a smaller thing, we probably sure. would have had a second named things. My guess. Sure. Um, so let's sure. talk about uh, a, a few other themes in the set. Um, so one of the things that I pushed some, and you you pushed some as well, is the idea. Um, when we made original Innistrad, I I put in a, a tribal component. But it was it was very low level, like it was there, and you you could build like you could build around it. Maybe maybe you could draft around it if you got lucky. Um, but it was at a very low level, and so in the second set, I'm like, oh, let's maybe we want to up that a little bit. And so we put a little bit more in to sort of in limited to maybe make you want to play tribal. Yeah. Um, there was like the uncommon cycle of monsters, monster lords. Yeah, um, the, I think the lords in hindsight were like so powerful that. Almost any time you opened one, you were just supposed to take it. And I think I would make those rare in hindsight so that, like, fewer of your drafts were on rails to that degree. But, like, those individual card designs, I think, were... They did really good work, I thought. Yeah, I agree. I think if they'd been rare, they would have done everything we wanted. And, right, less limiteds would have been on rails. Yeah. But, yeah. Second set can't all be perfect, so... Um... Okay, let's talk a little bit. So there, there's mechanics that were in the first set that we did in the second set. So let, let's talk a little bit about some of those. So let's start with um, Transform. So I know... We had more werewolves. What? We had more werewolves. We did have more werewolves. But we experimented. I mean, like, it was a second set. So we definitely experimented a little bit with our, with our Transforming. Like, I think... Indestrad was all creature-creature, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to look this up. I I, I think it was. I think Innistrad was all creature. So the front side was always a creature. The back side was always a creature. Um, now given uh, over half of them were werewolves, but we did have you know vampire turn a bat and little girl turn to demon yeah. and stuff. Um, but in the in Dark Ascension, we started experimenting a little more. Like, well, why do both sides have to be creatures? Um, so do, uh, the the one I always remember is the the knife that turns into the demon. Yeah, um, that one's cool. I like uh, I like the control magic. But there's a, a flying creature that when you hit someone with it, you it flips into a control magic. Oh yeah, that was cool. <laughs> I mean, I think like there's a lot of fun to the idea of control magic, but I think there is not a lot of fun to the play of just instantly having it happen and turning it into a little quest. I thought helped some of that. And it's fun because the audience, like, one of the things that's an interesting thing to think about in design is what I call mini games, which is when you're like, 
everybody that like okay there's a little thing that's going to go on and we're all aware of what's happening and there's this little mini game with inside the bigger game and like cards are like okay if you let this hit you i'm going to steal something so don't let this hit you and you have this yeah. little game back and forth of trying to you can you optimize and make the card work yep yep um what else uh do you have anything on flashback i, I i'm trying to think what we uh, did with... flashback was is that's when i always I guess the thing to talk about with flashback is um, lingering souls and faithless looting, probably. Okay. <laughs> um, like, flashback's another image problem mechanic. I think it wasn't as bad, like, in the second set of a block where you've just seen it, and also it's, like, even a returning mechanic from before that. But, like, some of the flashback costs you have to make are, like, so high in comparison. And um, I think the, the two largest numerical errors in the set are the flashback costs of Lingering Souls and um, Faithless Looting. Eric told me later that, like, if he had understood what his role was, he would have just came to me and said, I am the Eric Lauer, and this card costs one more to flashback. And I would have said, okay. And then we would not have had to, like, ban it in Innistrad Block Constructed or whatever. Um and I think the card is kind of adorable. I like that it hit constructed. I don't like that it was so ridiculous. Um, and then I think it's just clear looking back. I, I don't really enjoy making standard legal cards that like completely obliterate old formats in weird ways out of nowhere. And I think the interaction between Faithless Looting and Lion's Eye Diamond with dredge cards in particular is one that like I'm not proud of having added to Magic. Like, I think Faithless Looting is really cool. I think it fits in, like, Legacy Reanimator decks. I love it. Uh, I do not love, like, discard my Golgari Grave Troll and Stinkweed Imp with LED to flashback Faithless Looting. That yeah. is not something I am proud I of. I mean, the thing to remember is Magic is, like, 20,000-plus card. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's... Yeah. You, you make things that are cool in the moment, and, like, look, things are going to interact yeah. in weird ways. We We... Like, the audience always says, well, why don't you test everything? And I'm like, do you know how long it takes to test 20,000 card interactions? Like, right. it's, so, you know. So the, the Eric Lauer test that has always stuck with me is, like, so someone, or this, I see, I see this happen over and over again when I was at Wizards. He would, he would make a card slightly weaker. Someone would come to him to complain, and he would say, did you cut any of the copies of that card from your deck? And if their answer was no, then they would walk away sadly, and Eric would know <laughs> that he did the right thing. <laughs> Um, this is a spot where, like, every standard deck that was cool that had Faithless Looting would still have played four if I had made the flashback card cost four. So, like, that, as far as I'm concerned, that's just a strict error. Like, it, no, I, I mean, I, sure. Part. I mean, I, it's very easy with 2020 hindsight with perfect knowledge, and, you know, I mean, it's funny. One of the things I always say is that on some level, a magic designer, um, your mistakes have as much history as anything else, right? Like, the things that tend to be the things you get remembered for. Um, yep. And I, I mean, like, I, I I have the honor of having more banned restricted cards that I made than any other designer. Um, I don't think that's on you, though. Like, it's, it's I, like, I'm the one who is supposed to, like, put things at responsible rates or whatever, so. Well, I mean, still, what I'm saying is, though, is, is I mean, even on design levels, I've made plenty of blenders over the years. I mean, that the nature of making this is you're doing the best you can. And I, I, I don't think we should beat ourselves up because I mean, yes, could it, something have costed one more? Sure. Um, yeah. but on some level, maybe it costed one more. It would have been played a little bit in standard and just not played in other formats and wouldn't be the card that people love now. You know what I'm saying? Like in some ways, 
some of the cards that go on to be loved are, are cards that, like, for example, I love when t- people talk to me about Necropotence. Okay, yeah, that's a crazy mistake. I mean, a lot of people yeah. love the card because it, it gets played in places, but it was a it was a crazy, crazy mistake. I mean, like, and not even close to normal mistake, like way way over the line mistake, which we somehow reprinted in twenty in a in a, in a core set. But um, but I mean, yeah. there's, there's something about I mean, a lot of lovable things that people like are things that okay, well, maybe we could have done it differently, but we didn't. Uh, um, so one thing you haven't talked about is that sacrifice a human was actually like kind of a thing to put in magic sets. Oh yeah, let's let, let's, let's like, talk about that. Um, like for a while, like that, like the the pentagram on unholy strength wasn't the thing you could do because like demons and whatever. Yeah, so it's interesting. Yeah. So humans as a creature type did not exist until we did the race class. Like we decided to do a race class for creature types where there it would be what race it you know it's a goblin it's an elf or whatever and then what does it do. Um, and when we did that, we said, well, okay, because before that, humans would just always be their class. So I'm a soldier, I'm a warrior, whatever. Um, but once we did the race class model for the creature types, we had, and so I think, um, Mirage, not Mirage, uh, Mirrodin was the introduction of, um, sort of the race class creature typing. Ironically, the set after Onslaught that was all about creature types. Uh, and it introduced human. And we were told when we first made human, when Brady and I first pitched it, they're like, okay, we'll do it, but never make it mechanically relevant. And I said, fine, because I want we wanted human in the game. So I said, fine, we'll make it mechanically relevant. And then when Innistrad came along, I had to have a conversation with Bill Rose, uh, the VP, saying, okay, Bill, many years ago I promised not to make human uh, 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 a creature type that matters mechanically. I go, but this set really wants it. I mean, it's one of our five things, and, and it, can I do that? You know, and Bill's like, I don't care if you do that. I'm like, well, I don't care if I do it. And so we did it. So Innistrad yeah. was the first time, I think, where human tribal was a thing, um, yeah. where it mattered, mechanically mattered. It existed in Mirrodin, but it mattered. Um, and so along comes along comes Dark Ascension, and it's a set all about making creatures matter, and humans are in trouble. And it made total sense to have sacrificed a human. And holy moly, did that make the, the amount of controversy that caused, the amount of meetings we had. And but what, what is your memory of it? Uh, I just felt very strongly like we had to do it. Like, if you want to, I think if we you want to show that like humans are in trouble in a way that's fun for the player, like make them like I don't know, throw their little human token at their Skurzdag flare and kill something, or like I don't know, like the line "sacrifice a human colon transform ravenous demon" is just like that's good. That's that's telling you what's going on. It's very flavorful. So, I mean, um, it, obviously, it happened. So, it, like in, in the end, we said, "Okay, it's it's cool, it's flavorful," um, yeah. but it was, yeah, you're right. It was. It's kind of funny, like behind the scenes. Sometimes we do things, and the audience doesn't blink twice. And like behind the scenes, it was a major, major deal. That that's a good example of something. I'd forgotten. I forgotten how big a deal that was until you reminded me of it. Yeah, I mean, the thing that makes me happiest about this set when I look back at it, like I'm fairly proud of it. There's not many things that make me grumpy, but I think my favorite thing are that like. I wanted to make a really awesome mythic werewolf and I wanted to make a really awesome mythic vampire um, mythic vampire. And like, um, so we ended up pulling like you, Aaron Forsyth, and I think Gottlieb into a little room. And I'm like, I need cooler mythic monsters. Like let's make some stuff. And Aaron Forsyth in like a crazy fever dream, dreamed up Huntmaster of the Fells. And it was like, 
because I was excited about werewolves that did something when you flipped on either side. Mm-hmm. Previously, we had only done like when you flip to the backside. Yeah. So it's like I'll do it both or whatever. But um, and then like that card goes and wins Pro Tour Dark Ascension, and people are just kind of like, oh yeah, like of course there's an awesome powerful werewolf in the Pro Tour deck, and I'm like, oh thank God. And then, uh, <laughs> Like a year later, um, Pro Tour Gate Crash gets won by Falconereth Aristocrat while he is, oh, she is happily sacrificing humans to get plus one, plus one counters and be indestructible. And everyone's like, of course there's a powerful vampire. It's just like, okay, all right, that's that's a relief because that, that stuff's not a given until you do it the first time. So, oh, no, no, no. It, and it's one of the other tensions that we have is. You kind of there's things you kind of want to be good, but you also don't want the pressure of something to be good to push something that shouldn't be pushed. And so like there's a weird of hey we want good this or good that, but we don't want to sort of make a not fun card that's pushed. And so yeah. part of making a good card is is designing something really fun that has good gameplay, and then okay. that encourages the developers now the play designers to sort of you know push it a little more. Yeah, and b- both of those cards also. I think in important ways are like the mini game thing that you're talking about. Yeah. Like um, Huntmaster of the Fells has like, are you casting spells or does the opponent get to flip it and make it bigger and deal two damage to something? Or maybe you can't let them flip it back because you don't can't let them get a token. That would give you and them another blocker or um, with Falcon or Aristocrat. It's like, okay, well, that's out. I can't like wrath the board, but I can like wrath it, and then next turn in their upkeep, I can shock the aristocrat or whatever. So there's there's just a lot going on with both of those cards that I think leads to interesting games. So I mean, I I did enjoy. We talked about this earlier. I did enjoy that Dark Ascension really upped the tribal components of the monster. You know, like yeah. like one of the things that was neat was I always had wanted Industry to have a tribal component. I just yeah. I think I was a little burned by Lorwyn that I, I didn't want to make the, the limited two on rails. And so we yeah. were trying to do a light touch. Um, so one thing that I think is probably underappreciated about Dark Ascension 2 is that, like, back when we were making that stuff, we didn't have a set skeleton. Like, you did the Nuts and Bolts article recently that's like, yeah. this is exactly what this set is. And like, that didn't exist. Like, I thought in a stra- like, me as an individual developer... I thought Innistrad didn't have enough, like, two-mana creatures that could put pressure on people. So, like, one of the reasons you could actually draft a real tribal deck a little better in Dark Ascension was that, like, there were some spirits and werewolves and vampires that cost two mana that, like, could beat down better. So, like, I don't know. I like it when there is some pressure early in the game. I think I went slightly overboard. Like, I cut one of the three green two-drops that I put in, but... Um, I thought that was an important piece to like making someone follow a tribal component actually turn out well. So, so another thing I just want to bring up just for people, it's interesting. One of the things that designers do is you look back at your old stuff and you're like, Oh, I am much more knowledgeable now. I would have done this and this and like, you know, um, sometimes I, I go back like Tempest was my first set and I look at Tempest and like, in a lot of ways, like, you know, we're making cars and it's like a Model T. <laughs> like, like it, it's quaint and it's, you know... Like, one of the stories I always tell is um, I had the innovation to take the common X spell and add two red mana to it. Like, that that was my innovation in the, comics, the common X spell. 
that your direct damage X spell was like, oh, well, let's make it a little bit harder to splash rather than how about we don't make a common X spell? Yeah. <laughs> but, like, uh... And the creatures were so small then, like... They were. It was so much... Rolling Thunder is... It, it's hilarious to me that, like, Rolling Thunder is, like, fine in Battle for Zendikar and in... Tempest, it is the best thing in the entire universe. Yes. So. Well, everything's so tiny. <laughs> All the shadow creatures. <laughs> yep. So so anyway, I'm, I'm almost to my desk. So any last thoughts on, on Dark Ascension? Uh, it was really a treat to work with you on this set. I mean, I think I didn't realize at the time what a historical aberration it was that, like, you made a small set at all. And I... I don't know. I'm really proud of Dark Ascension, and an enormous piece of that is that, like, I got a handoff that was really nice and was full of good big ideas. So, but you should have taken Fateful Hour out. <laughs> uh, that's true, but um, yeah, that's on me. Fateful Hour is on me, by the way. I, I believe not on you. I, 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 just, I like when I saw the Modern Horizons card that had Fateful Hour. I was just so depressed. It's like Adam Prozac made this thing, and he's like slapping me in the face for like the worst named mechanic I let through and just, oh God, Adam, why? But anyway. But yeah, so it was, I mean, one of the things that's a lot of fun for me and one of the reasons I've been enjoying doing all these talks is it, one of the neat things about making magic is it's not an, like, it's not a solo activity that you're working with teams and it's one of the cool things for me. I mean, like I said, um, I'm now in year 25 is I've had a chance to work with so many different people and it was a lot oh. of fun working with you, Tom. This is really the one handoff you and I did together. So yeah. uh, I, I do. I also have fond memories of this. Set. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, f I feel like I I went to the um, there's a cathedral in Spain in Barcelona where it's like just very clear that thousands of people have worked on this thing, and there's something really special about that. It's like I I will always treasure the time working on magic, knowing that like I put a couple of hammer dents in in that cathedral. So. Yeah. Well, anyway, thank you so much for joining us, Tom. Yeah, you're welcome. And guys, I'm at my desk, so we all know what that means. It means it's the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So thank you so much, Tom. You're welcome. And you all, I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.